The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to part two of Cisgender White Men Ruin Everything, aka Biopsychosocial. I'm Jordan. I'm your friendly neighborhood nurse. And I'm Kayla, um, sometimes friendly therapist. Uh, so so today we are going to be discussing oh, no, wait, wait. what? Wait. Before we before we before we tell them, can you tell me what your favorite Britney Spears memory is? My favorite Britney Spears memory. I kind of like when she beat up the paparazzi's car with an umbrella. I loved that for her. <laughs> I, whenever I think of Britney Spears, I think of her at like the height of her popularity when we were younger. So yep. like the end of elementary school for us. And yep. I think of her second album, Oops, I Did It Again. Mm-hmm. That whole aesthetic, which I think made up most of like the late 90s and early 2000s. That's true. And I think of, I had these two classmates in fifth grade that were obsessed with her, mm-hmm. knew all of the dances. They taught us the, oops, I did it again dance. I still remember it. I do too. I still remember it. <laughs> Next time we hang out and have drinks, we'll just do it together. Uh, I don't need a drink. I'll do it without a drink. <laughs> we just might have drinks because we'll have drinks. Yes, that's true. So obviously today we are talking about Britney Spears and yes. her conservatorship if you if you want to call it that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> i have lots her, of questions i think we all do i have lots of questions we'll just call it her inappropriate conservatorship is uh is a more accurate uh, representation of what it is so um the new york times did various documentaries on britney spears and they've also done ones on other topics and mm-hmm. they're really really good if you um have hulu or fx or can get your hands on it in some way shape or form it was really informative really well done we each did i did controlling britney spears and you did remind me of the title framing britney spears i i think uh, my husband and i watched that one as well i had not seen controlling britney spears and i did enjoy watching it and we were discussing uh what each one was about and mine is um a little bit later in the timeline and talks more about britney's life under her conservatorship while yours was um her rise to fame and when she had her what we're now realizing is a mental health break that caused her to be placed under a conservatorship but we'll we'll get into all that so let's see. Britney Spears was born December 2nd, 1981, making mm-hmm. her a Sagittarius. She was in Louisiana, right? Louisiana. Louisiana. Should we put that on places we want to go when we go to Louisiana? We're definitely going to go see Dee Dee Blanchard's family while we're yes. down there. So we're mm-hmm. uh, we're also just going to go to the Spears compound. Yes. Cantwood, can't Louisiana. Cantwood, Louisiana. All these people are going to be like, who are these two? <laughs> who are these two but they bought box wine so it's fine oh wow they must be big britney fans it's like well not really i mean we like her we're just we're not crazy (laughs) we're very supportive of her journey (laughs) we just wanted to see what it was all about over here so yes so she was born in catwood louisiana so her parents when she was growing up didn't have a heck of a lot of money no um but they were absolutely determined to make things work 
And it's, it's said like from the outset, her parents, Jamie and Lynn, she also has a, a little sister named Jamie Lynn, as most of us know. They were, ser- they were terribly creative in naming her. So Jamie was not really present for most of her life. He was, mm-hmm. he struggled with um, alcoholism. Sure. He went from job to job to job. He w- had to declare bankruptcy at a certain point. Lynn was much more involved and much more dedicated to her children. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the one who was like, whatever I have to do to get Brittany to get her dreams to come true, I will do it. So she's always been more supportive in that respect. But I think it's, it's, it's really important that for most of her life, Jamie was not a big presence. Correct. Correct. So they didn't have the underlyings of a warm, helpful, supportive relationship. Brittany got a record deal in 1997 when she was only 15 years old. Prior to this, she was on the Mickey Mouse Club mm-hmm. as a, a little kid. She did a lot of other kind of uh, dancing roles and acting roles. Mm-hmm. When she was younger, she didn't really think of herself as a singer per se. She mm-hmm. kind of wanted to be an actor. But, you know, she just decided to just try out singing and landed a record deal. All right. And she was on... Um... Not America's Got Talent, not Dancing with the Stars, Ed McMahon, Star Search. Yes. Like uh, Beyonce. And Christina Aguilera. So, yeah, so she kind of was of the late 90s time, the pop star bubblegum little Mm -hmm. class there. And it was at this period of time, boy bands were really, really big. Yeah. And so the idea of a young girl Mm -hmm. making it big was kind of, it was a gamble. Because everyone wanted a boy band, and but she really hit it big, and it was kind of rare in the industry at that time. Um, she was very she. I don't know if you remember, she was marketed as like the girl next door. She was very yeah. relatable, and I mean, by all accounts, and in every interview you hear from somebody who knew her personally, she's very kind. She's very, very humble. Sweet. She's very silly. When she first got her record deal, she drove through Kentwood and mm-hmm. distributed $10,000 and $100 bills to That's people awesome. just randomly because she wanted to share her earnings and her success with the people who she grew up with, which I think is so lovely. It is lovely. And we have to remember, so we're coming from New England. I don't think we realize how impoverished some area, like the small mm-hmm. town areas in the South are. Yes, exactly. So, so I'm sure she saw a lot of poverty growing up and perhaps experienced some to a certain degree. So to give that back was, I'm sure, very, very meaningful to her, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. So she came to a rise in popularity right around the time of the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton scandal. Mm -hmm. And we as a society were talking about sex in a way that we hadn't in a very long time. And America is the United States is very puritanical. It is more so than other countries I've visited, um, where you it wouldn't be strange to see a naked body, a fully naked body on TV. Um, in the United States, that does not happen for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was kind of brought into light for the minute amount of sexuality that was that was in like her music videos and her choreography and her costumes, her outfits, in a way that like it was so tame. Right? It wasn't. Back. Yeah, I'm like I'm thinking <laughs> of it now, and I'm like, it's really no bait. It wasn't huge. So what? And I think sex is a a bigger part of the conversation now. Like we're more Mm -hmm. comfortable with female artists being scantily clad and singing about sex and talking about their sex lives. And and that feels very empowering now. But back then it did, it it wasn't really a thing that we talked about at all. Right. 
If you remember, some of the scandals that happened were the Rolling Stones Lolita cover, where mm-hmm. she was kind of dressed like a young girl. Well, she was a young girl. Yeah, she was. In her underwear on a phone. She had a Teletubby with her. Yeah, she had like a stuffed Teletubby. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, in the um, Baby One More Time video, too, it was kind of, she was a schoolgirl, but with it was tied up like, shirt. Yeah. Yes. And she was questioned a lot about whether or not she got breast implants. Mm. She was asked whether or not she was a virgin or slept with Justin Timberlake a lot. Yeah. Which, which first of all, none of your business. Second of all, none of your business. She well, I, they show a clip of her answering that question in, in an interview. Like, a, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a press conference or if it's her fans or something like that, but she said, she answers it honestly. She says, I'm a virgin and I'm planning to wait until marriage. Whereas nowadays I could see someone being like, that's not your fucking business. I'm not answering that question. Sure. But and she would have gotten ripped to shreds if she said that. <laughs> and did anybody ask him? No. Not until afterwards. But it no, wasn't, yeah. you know, it was, it was, I'll get to that. Hold on. You'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was scrutinized in a way that boys and men at the time were not. So sure. at a, a certain point she had... Stop trying to please people. One of the people that they interview in the documentary says, I think a lot of women experience this. You know, they're, no, I do. you get to a point where you're like, I'm so done trying to live up to other people's expectations that I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want now. Right. I'm going to disappoint somebody. Just I'm not going to disappoint myself. She's seen by the people who worked for her in these early stages as like a boss. Like she was in control of everything. She was very creative. Um, she got to decide what her shows looked like and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, eventually was taken away from her. Sure. So when Justin Timberlake and Britney split, Justin was controlling the narrative in that. Mm-hmm. Sure. So the the messaging around that was that she's a slut, she's a cheater. He demonized her in his music video Crimea River, where oh, that was so dramatic. There was like a an actress in there um that looked exactly like her, and the song is about cheating, of course. Mm-hmm. He tells all about sleeping with her, but in a way that it makes her look bad. So, you know, people are asking her questions like, oh, he was really heartbroken. So what did you do to him? What did you do to cause the breakup? So it must be your fault. Justin's the victim. And I think now he's, especially with the hashtag Free Britney movement, Mm -hmm. people are like done with Justin Timberlake. We're like, you allowed this to happen. You did not say anything. You did not stand up for her. You're canceled. Goodbye. And I'm annoyed with him with the with the whole Janet Jackson thing too. Right. So, so yeah, it, there's twice there that you are allowed people to to have this misogynist narrative take the you, fall. Yeah. So he's right, chairman and exactly. CEO of the fucking Lucky Club twice. Yeah. So I remember not too long ago he had issued some sort of a statement about Britney, and people were like, "We don't fucking care about you anymore, <laughs> sir." This is a Wendy's. A Maryland governor at the time said, "I want to shoot Britney Spears." What? Because of the way that she was influencing this woman's children. And Brittany was like, I, I, I'm i not responsible for parenting her children. No, no, I can't. I can't with people. Do you remember the video where she's with Kevin Federline and she's like, I feel like I'm missing out on life. That was like a new movie and stuff. Yeah, you and I watched it, I think, in high school. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> it was really funny at the time. But now looking back, it's like, oh, Jesus, she was going through a lot. She was going through a lot and I I think I wrote I think I wrote in my notes at some point they were talking about Britney's, you know, fall from grace and how she was having a really hard time and going through a rough patch and I said, "Oh, so, you know, you're early 20s." Yeah, exactly. 
And I think she was she was clearly she was clearly some kind of drunk and eating buffalo wings and having a deep, stupid conversation with her significant other at the time. I'm like, girl, get in line like the rest of us. Right. Who who hasn't had that experience? No, no. Yeah. And so what? That's that's just part of life. It's, you know, nobody's perfect all the time. Nobody's camera ready and flawless and all that happy horse shit. It's just she was just going through the full experience of being human. Under a lot of scrutiny in the middle, uh, you know, in the limelight. I know. Which, yeah. You know, we've we've seen it happen with other celebrities now. So sure. Miley Cyrus is my favorite example. Yeah. And she's very forthcoming about what she went through. And she, mm-hmm. you know, she'll, she'll say straight up, like, I was doing drugs. It was not a good time in my life. Yeah. I'm not proud of it. But here I am, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not easy growing up in the limelight. It's not easy. Yeah, no, it's especially not easy. It's not easy growing up. And it's really not easy growing up in the limelight. Right. Because you're going to do all the same stuff because it's just what you do as an adolescent. You do really stupid stuff. You have to be young and stupid and older in order to be old and wise. So she has this kind of symbiotic relationship with the paparazzi at first mm-hmm. um, because she wants the attention. Sure. And at that time, before social media and um, before celebrities were kind of able to control how much they shared with the world, yeah. paparazzi was huge and very invasive. I mean, they still are, but still are. it was really, really, really bad at this point. And this was in like the mid-aughts. So photos of Britney can sell for a million dollars each at That's this point. So crazy. But she was very, she was always very nice and polite to the paparazzi for the most part. And things got even crazier when her first son was born. So um, photos of her with her son were selling for even more money. Mm -hmm. And almost immediately she was deemed, quote unquote, an unfit mother. So there was a a photo, I don't know if you remember this, of her driving the car with her son in her lap. And he was very little. Um, And she defends herself to an interview with Matt Lauer. Yikes. Ew. She explains that the pops were paps. The paps? Is it the paps or the paps? It's the pips. Uh, the pips. <laughs> listen, the, the pieces of shit, because listen. Yeah. The lowest rung of hell is reserved for Judas, Brutus, Cassius, and paparazzi. <laughs> They're some of the most evil fucking people on the Correct. Planet, yep. Planet. They're going to be getting chewed up in Satan's mouth with those with the other three. Tell me you read Dante's Inferno without telling me you read Dante's Inferno. <laughs> I tried to read it in its original Italian because I was I extra pompous. Yeah, extra is a good word. So she explains that the paparazzi were banging on the car window on both mm. sides. So she and he, and her son was crying in the back seat, and it's really stressful driving a car. Your child is screaming. Now she's yeah. under duress because people are banging on the window, trying to probably flashing cameras in her face. Sure. Was it the right thing to do? Probably not. Would she have the same scrutiny if she were like driving from the end of her street to her house mm-hmm. and was not a celebrity? Probably not. No. So, yeah, my, yeah, my friends with kids say all the time they have their, you know, the their kid loves to drive the car into the garage. They right. throw the kid on their exactly. lap and drive two miles. That's what she, Whatever. That's what she says is my father drove with me on his lap all the time when I was growing up. So at this point, she files for divorce after her second second son is born, and Kevin mm-hmm. files for sole custody of, of both of the children. Lynn writes a book, um, and she says that she thinks Brittany suffers from postpartum depression. Probably. So at this point, Brittany, after she files for divorce, is partying with Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan, who are both controversial for their own reasons at the time. Right. And she loses interest in her carefully curated image. Right. If you... Don't go out and drink and party after you got divorced. Did you really get divorced? Right. 
So to recap at this point, two sons born one right after the other, Mm -hmm. postpartum depression, divorce, Kevin trying to take the kids and the press criticizing her for all of it. So basically that's the gathering storm. A ton of a ton of people in this country other than the paparazzi. So she's going through usual life shit. How many times have you heard this story? You have somebody who's young, falls in love, gets married, has a bunch of kids, realizes this isn't my life and makes, you know, is brave enough to get away, get divorced. And they're criticized in their, you know, social, in their social group for it. She's doing the same thing, except it's in, uh, on a much grander scale with a lot more money involved and a lot more people involved. And that's where it starts to go wrong. The head shaving incident, as we all know it now. Mm-hmm. In- 2007. Yep. So she goes to a hairdresser and the hairdresser, she says, I want to shave my hair. And the hairdresser is like, absolutely not. So she's like, fine, I'm just going to fucking do it myself. She says, I don't want anyone touching me. I'm tired of everyone touching me. Mm -hmm. And one of the people that they interview say that she's, she's kind of sending the message to the paparazzi and to the public and to the press. You have destroyed who I was. She's gone. And she was only about 26 or 27 at this time. I mean, think about it, you know, when you're at that stage in in your life, I feel like, well, so I think every person, if not every woman goes through this at a certain point where you're Mm -hmm. just kind of tired of keeping up this public, the the face that you put up in public and you just kind of decide, you know what, I'm going to be who I am and people are going to like me or not like me regardless. Yep. That's why I got a septum piercing. Like, (laughs) I don't fucking care anymore. I'm getting a half Um, sleeve in a month. So I can, I can totally understand where she's coming from, you know, and I don't have to deal with all of this additional pressure that she had to deal with at the time. Right. Yeah. You decide that, you know, my vow is to myself. Yeah. I am responsible for keeping myself happy. I'm going to piss off whoever I'm going to, whoever I'm going to piss off. So just don't let that be me. So she hits a paparazzi's car with umbrella and this guy, this guy almost 15 years later has zero accountability for this. He says it was a money shot. He says, we were working on her for years, and she never gave us a clue that she wanted to be left alone. And then the person, in, the person interviewing her says, what about when she says, I want to be left alone? <laughs> How about that time where she said, get away from me? Yes, she says, leave me alone. And he had, read the room, Kyle. That's what I put. <laughs> and he was like, well, she never said, leave me alone forever. But like, but would you? Excuse Even me? if she did? No. That's why it's my favorite Britney moment, because how many times in your life have you just wanted to do exactly what you wanted to do at that point? And she, like, barely made a dent in his car. No one no. was hurt. No. It was probably, like, max 100 bucks at AutoZone or whatever. <laughs> or Jiffy Lube. I don't know. <laughs> Jiffy Lube. I don't think they did. Mako. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And it's a car. Who? It's a car. Yeah. She didn't beat him with an umbrella, which, you know, I would still defend. So in October of 2007, she loses custody of her kids, but has visitation. Mm -hmm. She becomes estranged from some of her family. She fires her manager and she gets wrapped up with her new manager, Sam Lutfi, who's like Mm -hmm. a a quote unquote guru. Oh, he happens to find celebrities at their darkest hour. Happens to. Should be noted that to this day, she still has a restraining order against him. Wise. And I said, uh, (laughs) I said, ew, they showed Perez Hilton. I forgot forgot his name while I was watching this documentary. I forgot his name and I found it by Googling celebrity blogger everyone hates. (laughs) I forgot he existed until just now. (laughs) 
Everyone still hates you, Mario, but your kid is cute. Yes, kid didn't do anything. Did you know that his name is Mario? No, ew. <laughs> it's a me. <laughs> Problematic as fuck. At that time, you know, we weren't really talking about mental health as no. we are today. Um, and people people were making money off of her suffering like yeah. Paris Hilton. So, you know, the fact that she was struggling never really came into the conversation. No. No, it was irrelevant. Okay. So temporary conservatorship happens when she's hospitalized. Mm-hmm. She, she, so there's two types of conservatorships. There's conservator of person, which decides like makes medical decisions and stuff like that. And there's conservator of a state, which controls finances and assets. So Jamie is named conservator of both. I was going to say he got both. Attorney Andrew Wallet Mm -hmm. is also named a conservator of um, a state. That is ironic. Again, Jamie was not present in, t- in her life up until this point. Correct. It's not like correct. she was close with him. It's not like, you know, if something, God forbid, happens to you and your parent or your child or your partner steps in and says, I will make these decisions because I know them very well and, you know, I know what they would want. No, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> they show a clip of, I think it's Mike, I, it, it is Michael Moore of all fucking people on, the, I think, the Larry King show. Mm-hmm. And he says... <laughs> Why don't we just leave her alone and let her go on with her life? Listen, if Michael Moore is the voice of reason in this narrative. I I, I was really into what Michael Moore had to say when I was like 16. I thought it was real deep. (laughs) So first of all, she understood her conservatorship and her lack of control in it happening. So she knew it was happening whether she liked it or not. Right. Secondly, she specifically said, I do not want my father in charge. No. And I looked up. California conservatorship law. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to take that into account that she did not want her father. Of course they are. And they did not. So they control who does or doesn't visit her, their security 24 seven. They mm-hmm. can access medical records, speak with doctors, control her home, cancel credit cards, make recording, touring and TV deals. There's speculation that she accepted it in order to see the kids. Yep. Yep. Oh, that was a big part of it. And there's there's no way she can get out of it unless she dies. Her assets mm-hmm. are gone. Yep. Or if she files a petition, and it, that's like an appeal process, right? So that has yeah. to be reviewed by a judge. Yeah. And it was presented, so it was happened in February 2008 um, in the midst of her mental health question substance abuse crisis. Um, and it was presented being in the interest of her safety. So Jamie stood to receive 1.5% of the gross yep. profits of her residency, mm. which I think at a certain point they said was $58 million, meaning he would have earned $870,000. For doing nothing. For doing absolutely nothing. Correct. And it, in this kind of, uh, this was verbalized in my documentary right after, right on the heels of her conservatorship, which should be somebody who is, which should um, happen to somebody who is not able to physically or mentally care for themselves, right after she was conserved, she worked probably more than ever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like I just, okay, calm down, Kayla. So with the advent of social media, it meant that she could, she and other celebrities as well. Yep could control what they wanted to show us. But we didn't know how much her conservatorship was controlling what she was posting. And Mm -hmm. that's where this, this point of like, Oh, she's sending us coded messages comes from. And there was a podcast that was started called, um, Brittany Graham, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brittany Graham. 
And they were the ones who started the hashtag free Britney movement and they were dissecting all of her posts and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to note the, the danger of parasocial relationships, which is not a new concept. Um, It was a term, a term coined in 1956 by Horton and wool regarding mass media. Mm -hmm. And it's where the, it's one-sided it's interactive and it's where the audience is made to feel like they're engaging in a reciprocal relationship And this started way before mass media with politicians, gods, and even spirits. So the danger here, of course, is that we we think we know the person Mm -hmm. when we don't, and we we become very attached to them, Mm -hmm. and we also make assumptions when we don't really know what's going on, right? Which could get them in some trouble potentially. I mean, I've seen it happen in other cases with other celebrities, but anyways. So the podcast starts, they start the Free Britney movement, people start mm-hmm. to pick up on this, mm-hmm. even other celebrities start to pick up on it. Jamie calls it a conspiracy theory. <laughs> people like Paris Hilton speak out about Britney's treatment um, and how similar it is to some situations she's been in. We know that she's been in abusive situations. She went to one of those tough love camps. Um, right. And I remember not too long ago, Iggy Azalea spoke out about Mm -hmm. how strange her team acted around Iggy. And I mean, I'm not a huge fan of her, but I thought it was really cool that she spoke up about it, even though they made her sign an NDA about the whole thing. There was a lot of people going against NDAs, especially in my my documentary. How I I wonder how actually how enforceable an NDA is, you know? Eh, it's it's fines and legal fees. Um, Black Box Security. Um, yes. Somebody from that company spoke out against Britney. And it, it actually made me really sad. A lot of the people in the documentary that I watched, um, her personal assistant, her stylist. Yeah, they were in this one yeah, too. They were all between a rock and a hard place. They were, yes. you know, uh, and her stylist made me really sad. She said, you know, I, I wanted to leave, but I felt like I couldn't leave her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had to kind of go along with what was happening, but she figured at least she was she was present and she could protect her if she needed to. And that woman was like a her name's Felicia Culata. She was like a second mom to Britney. That was oh Felicia, yeah. Oh, that one she made me really sad. She, At one point she, in the documentary, somebody says bye Felicia, and I was like, hey. I wanted to give her a hug. Yeah, I wanted to give Dorothy Moxley and a hug in the last episode, and I want to give Felicia a hug and her um, costume designer, whose name I did not write down. It, it's also worth mentioning that TriStar Entertainment had a huge part in her conservatorship. They were present for a lot of meetings. They were part of uh, the group that monitored Britney and made a lot of decisions on her behalf. Yeah, why don't you pick up from here? Because I think I'm yeah. just about done from mine. So Black Box Security was the security team that followed Britney Spears around. And they were truly, they were just monitoring her. They weren't securing her. They were watching her every move. In fact, they even gave her her medications. Yeah, because so, that they're responsible. Yep, totally, totally. Yep, they Actually, would give her a baby I, I w- of medications. Yeah, I work in a school. And instead of the nurse giving kids medications, they're like, Kayla, why don't you do it? Just a random person. Ugh. Why doesn't the security guard at the school, the, you know, the resource officer? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And anybody that saw, so mine was more about Britney's life under the conservatorship. And it was very similar to a person that was um, incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So everything was controlled. She would ask, you know, she would say, hey, I want sushi for dinner. No, you can't afford sushi. Well, she's Britney Spears, actually. She can indeed afford afford sushi, as I can. Wasn't, wasn't she given, like, a... Allowance? 
Yeah, yeah, I was going to say stipend, but allowance. Is, allowance, is yeah, that's more accurate. That's the word that they used. Like she was walking, you know, she was walking through a mall to get to, you know, the place that she was performing in Vegas, and she saw a cute pair of sneakers, like Skechers, not you know Manolo Blahniks or anything crazy like that. And she said, "Hey, can I have those shoes?" And they and her managers, the people around her, said, "Nope, you don't have the money for them right now." Like, what? To the point where her costume designer said. Oh, I'll get them for you. And she put them under the budget. Like she put them under the costume budget, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. So something I, so I really need to talk about conservatorship because, because I, 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 I need to basically to be placed under conservatorship. It's for somebody who is found to be incompetent by a judge. Uh, that they can no longer control their finances. They can't appropriately care for themselves. This happens a lot with folks that have dementia, people with traumatic brain injuries. They can no longer care for themselves. They would go outside in their underwear in the middle of a snowstorm. They would buy, they wouldn't be able to pay their bills. Their lights wouldn't stay on if somebody else didn't pay their bills for them. That's who needs to be a conservator. And I I think it's really important to stress just how difficult it is to actually get a conservatorship, especially it when it's very in, in that kind of situation where it's, yeah. you know, some like you said, someone with dementia or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. No, it's not. No, you have to go to court and the judge has to agree to it. Um, something else that I need to mention, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, if you have advanced directives you can appoint your own conservator. What is an advanced directive for our folks at home? So our for our folks at home, an advanced directive is a written list of instructions of what you want done to your body, what you want done to your care in the event that you are unable to make decisions for yourself. You can appoint somebody to make decisions for you. If that is your next of kin, wonderful. If you know your next of kin could not effectively make decisions for you, you can appoint someone else. This case alone is a huge, huge, huge. It's evidence as to why you should have an advanced directive. Yeah, it's it's support as to why you should indeed have an advanced directive. Even if you're young, if you're in your 20s and you're in your 30s, you're in perfect health, have an advanced directive. Right, because even... There, I mean, I hope all of you are always in good health. Of course, <laughs> but um, I mean, even if you get knocked unconscious mm-hmm. or you get you're in a coma for a day or two, yep, someone still has to make decisions about your care. Correct, and your conservator can overturn your advanced directives. Okay, yeah, yep, they indeed can. Your advanced directives are a roadmap, so you want somebody in charge of them that is going to follow through, um, for your wishes in your life and also what you want done with your body and what you want done with your estate. We have heard horror stories about folks that did not have advanced directives and unthinkable things were done to their bodies more in particular people of the LGBTQA population were very much misgendered in their death. But that's another story for another day. Right after the conservatorship started, so her father was appointed conservator of person and conservator of finances. So he was in charge of her medical decisions. He was in charge of her financial decisions. He was in charge of her, the person, basically. Every aspect of her life he he was in charge of. Um, She started working like crazy. And Jamie would dangle her kids in front of her as 
a compliance as a as a measure of compliance and as a measure of control. She wouldn't want to do something, and he would say, "Well, you're not going to be able to see your boys, her sons, um, who were little at the time." Uh, one of the saddest things that I heard in the documentary was they were bringing her to the stage in like a little box, basically. I guess it's not a terribly uncommon thing because you can't have her moving through the crowd, and the box smelled like marijuana, and she had a. F- a panic attack, a full-blown panic attack. She Mm -hmm. said, I'm not going anywhere near that box. I'm not going to be able to pass a drug test. I'm not going to be able to see my sons. So she refused to get in it. And she, you know, ran off behind stage and then was, you know, basically forced to come back by, you know, the people that were around and she had to go out and perform for, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. Um, And they showed the footage of her at that very concert. And it was really, um, it was really sad to watch because she was acting like everything was fine and it was not. There was also a video where she says, well, she's on stage at her residency. Mm-hmm. I have a fever of 102. And there's a, the guy recording it. It's like, oh, <laughs> really funny. He's just kind of like, um, what? what? And, and here's the thing about adults with fevers. Adults don't temp like kids do. If you have a fever and you're an adult, you're really friggin' sick. Right. Yeah. Um, so she was she was basically forced to perform. And what else? Uh, During the earlier days of her conservatorship, the earlier times of her conservatorship, iPhones became a thing. This was the early 2000s. She wanted an iPad, every iPhone, excuse me, everybody around her had one. And it was a big deal. They didn't want her to have one. It was way too much access to information. They had monitors. They had safety monitors, safety features on her phone like you would for a child. So they could see who she's talking to. They could see who she was texting. It was through her iCloud account. So folks, if there's anything you don't want people to see, make sure it's not uploaded into the iCloud. Because if somebody hacks into that, that was how, do you remember that? Do you remember that scandal from maybe like four years ago where a bunch of celebrities, celebrity nudes were leaked? Mm -hmm. It was from their iClouds. Yep. Which frankly, I don't think is a big deal. You want to, you want to see a body go for it, but if you don't want somebody to see it, right, don't and then it to your yeah, iPod, exactly, yeah. Um, so they did a document. Did you see the one? Uh, they did a documentary in fall of two thousand eight. So you know, if later in the year that she becomes conserved, and mm-hmm. even then she was verbalizing that she felt isolated and oppressed. She felt like she wasn't heard. No, well, she felt like it because she wasn't. And her, you know, Felicia, her longtime assistant was told, Brittany doesn't want you to go on tour with them. So they told her, you know, stay home. And Felicia was like, no, I already bought tickets. I'm going on the tour. So she stayed away from Brittany. And then toward the end of the tour, they crossed paths. And Brittany, of course, ran over to her, gave her a big hug and said, where have you been this whole time? Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of took everybody who was there to support her the person rather than her, the brand out of her orbit. So she truly was felt kept alone and isolated. And it actually is really interesting because if you have somebody, the, the whole guise was that she was conserved because she was undergoing a mental health crisis. So the fact that she was isolated from the people around her while she was undergoing a mental health crisis is completely counterintuitive. Yeah. And I mean, she wasn't even, I mean, this probably goes without saying, but like, Mm -hmm. yes, she, I think she's, has she confirmed that she struggles with bipolar disorder? I, I, I can't say for sure. I don't, yeah, I don't know if she does, but like, 
Imagine if every person with bipolar disorder had to be conserved. Like, yeah, there'd there'd be be so many millions of, yeah, there'd be hundreds and thousands of people conserved. That's what the documentary said, too. Not everybody who struggles with mental health is conserved. At the end, should they be? At the end of mine, there's a lawyer that briefly worked with her Mm -hmm. um, who says that they called her a high functioning conservative. And he, he was like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? What really struck me was, I wrote this in my notes, is that she had so much insight to her conservatorship. She said, I pro- I shouldn't be conserved. I can make decisions for myself. And that, to me, goes against what a conservatorship is. Yeah. If you have insight into your conservatorship, you should not be conserved. Yes, exactly. If you can understand the nuances and the meaning of somebody controlling your money and your finances... You shouldn't be conserved. And there are so many celebrities that have made questionable decisions while undergoing a mental health crisis, and they haven't been concerned. Look at Charlie Sheen. Uh, Kanye West. Kanye West, yeah. And listen, if they want to lose all their money because they're going through whatever they're going through, that is their business. Right. Michael Moore said it. Yeah. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. (laughs) But it had nothing to do, again, it had nothing to do with her. There was money to be had and there were gains to be made. So she was taken advantage of and used as a pawn. That's exactly what happened. It also was worth mentioning, um, talk about a double standard. uh, Brittany had said Jamie relapsed not too long before her conservatorship. So he was still struggling with his addictions while he was named conservator. So in part of the reason why they conserved her was they were saying that she had substance abuse issues, which is a common issue. And a lot of people have substance abuse problems, but you're going to put somebody else at the realm at the, at the helm that has a substance abuse problem as well. How does that make sense? Right, exactly. Brittany's concerns were not being heard. Her room was wired. She didn't have a private conversation uh, for a ridiculous amount of time. Any men that wanted to be around Brittany had to be cleared by her security team. You know, her father did expensive background checks before anybody was allowed to be in her realm, uh, which had nothing to do with her safety. Thank you very much. It was all an element of control. You know, when she kind of started speaking out a little bit, hashtag free Brittany became part of the public consciousness in 2019. And Brittany started to petition or started to try to get out of her conservatorship in November of 2020. A judge declined to remove Jamie Spears as Britney's conservator. Uh, as Britney's conservator, and at that time, we learned that Britney wanted to get married and have more children, and she was not allowed to remove her IUD because all of her medical decisions went under uh, her father, and he wouldn't let that happen. Which, how is that not? Like, that's basically forced sterilization. Like, I know an IUD is reversible, mm-hmm. but having that much control over a woman's reproductive health, that, that that part alone is enraging to me. It is enraging to me as well. So it's it's the other side of the coin. If you want to be able to reproduce, you should have that right. Brittany also had a public defender. She wasn't able to even hire her own lawyer. They had to sneak a lawyer into her house as... Yeah, as a plumber. They said he was a plumber and she was trying to uh, be able to talk to a lawyer. So she was finally able to hire her own lawyer. And in September of 2021, Jamie agreed to step down as her conservator. And uh, Brittany's lawyer was indeed going to investigate him. Thank God. 
Yeah, and that was only under public pressure because if that had never, of course I think it if was. that had never come to light in the public, none of this would have ever. Not to say that Britney can't fight for herself, but I think no. that the public pressure helped a lot. Oh, it certainly, it certainly did, and that isn't anything against her in any way, shape, or form. But she, but this was happening for so many years, and nothing was being done about it. Finally, Britney um, was given the support that she needed because everybody was systematically taken away from her. Anybody that would have supported her as a person was um, was removed. So we're at the point where uh, Jamie ha- has been taken out as her conservator. And I believe the latest and greatest is that she has a, a, a different conservator at this time. Yes, she does. And it's like, and it's crazy because they had somebody from probate, you know, kind of check in on the conservator case, basically like, you know, like a social worker type deal. And even put in their notes that Brittany said, I feel like I'm being oppressed in this conservatorship. And she, you know, she put some sort of bullshit response saying, Oh, you know, there should be a path to independence for Brittany. And, you know, they should, they should stop making her feel like that she's being oppressed. Well, you know, you could stop oppressing somebody that usually makes them feel like they're not being oppressed Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. That's a pretty simple solution. It is. Yeah. Stop oppressing them and they won't feel like they're being oppressed, but you know, so I wanted to read, um, I, I got kind of an overview on conservatorship Mm -hmm. in the state of California from a website for the law offices of Matthew B. Talbot in California. Mm -hmm. And this part particularly pertains to, I got to turn my light on, I can't see, pertains to conservatorship for people with mental illness, right? Because that's what we've been told this whole time is that she struggles with mental illness, she struggles with substance abuse. We don't even know if that's true or not. Either of those are true. Mm -mm. Although... I don't want to speculate because I don't I don't think you can really say this woman has been fucking traumatized for the last 13 years. Yes, yes, she has. Any behavior we see now could be a result of that. Mm-hmm. So this says conservatorships for people with severe mental illness can be difficult to obtain. Lanterman Petrus Shore LPS conservatorships are designed specifically for adults with serious mental health illnesses who need special care. Adults who require very restrictive living arrangements, such as living in a locked facility, and or require extensive mental health treatment, such as requiring strong drugs to control behavior. So but what they mean by that is we're looking at like injectable drugs for psychosis, for example. So like haloperidol, right, for to treat psychosis, sure. which needs to be injected once every three months um, because that guarantees um, compliance with the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, she was probably not on haloperidol. No, but they did force her to go on lithium at one point, which she objected to because you have to you have to have your blood checked. Correct. When you take lithium because Correct. it's toxic. <laughs> it is toxic, and it's has so many side effects, and it's an old drug for a reason. We yes. have better ones at this point. Yes, lithium. For those of you who don't know, is used in treatment for bipolar disorder. It is very old drug for bipolar disorder. Can cause um, crazy electrolyte imbalances as well. That makes sense. Yes, it can. An LPS conservatorship must be started by a local government agency, and you must contact your local county public guardian or public conservator to begin the process. Mm-hmm. While it is difficult, in some instances, you may be able to obtain a general conservatorship, so one that includes of person and of a state, yep. to protect a person with severe mental illness. So in nowhere in here does it indicate to me that they would have easily been able to obtain this because of her mental health. No, it doesn't say, no. And, yeah. by the way, mm-hmm. they're supposed to have a review at six months. 
at one year and every two years thereafter. Mm-hmm. And by review, they're supposed to, um, the conservatorship has to fork over documents explaining like what they've made choices about and why and kind of justifying it. And I believe those are the times when somebody like a neutral party goes to interview the conservative to see how things are going. So right, don't tell like me that. that she never spoke up for herself at all of those points in time. And no, nobody, she, and nobody she did, did Nobody did shit about it. Yeah, right, exactly. And it, Connecticut has very similar conservatorship laws. I just kind of sure. briefly looked it up. Yeah. And um, what I thought was interesting about Connecticut's, and maybe this is the same in California, I just didn't see it. When the conservator wants to make changes, like a change of address, for example, they have to mm-hmm. go before a judge to justify that. And the judge has to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And that's probably in place just to make it a pain in the ass to do so that mm-hmm. people don't do it. Yeah. But it seems like there's more oversight in our laws it than does, California yeah. has. Yeah, it, it like sort of makes it um, gives it dual control. So it doesn't have, you know, one person at the helm making every single decision. Yeah. And I just I cannot stress how hard this is. Like, I'm thinking of getting somebody papered, which yeah. is like damn nigh impossible. <laughs> yeah, getting somebody papered is a huge and a lot of times it's very, very appropriate. That's like a that's a seventy-two hour psychiatric hold as somebody's a danger to themselves, othered, or gravely disabled. You cannot get that. No. No, I, I've tried before and it's hard. And and it, it has to go through a judge. It does. You can't just be, you know, if you have someone in front of you as a doctor. Mm-hmm. You can't, well, I mean, they can keep them for a 24 hour yeah. watch, but you can't hold anyone against their will, even if they're sitting there and I'm like, I, and, and they're telling you they're going to attempt suicide. Right. Or attempt to hurt somebody else, attempt to kill mm-hmm. somebody else. Yeah. No, it's very hard for a particular reason. So the fact that there was so much money at play in this situation probably played into it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Money talks. So the the last circle of hell, Judas, Brutus, Cassius, paparazzi, Jamie Spears. <laughs> and various other people, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yes. A lot of people that came after Dante Alighieri. <laughs> yep. No, he just, uh, no, he just buried them face down with their legs caught on fire, which is fine. Yeah. I know. Isn't there a level where people are just like forever sinking in shit or something like that? That's the gluttony level. Oh, okay. Oh, they're force-fed shit. That's what it is. Yeah, they're force-fed shit. Yep. I like the lust level because it has Cleopatra in it and they were being spun in a wind tunnel, which just does sound fun. Poor Cleopatra. It's only because she was a pagan. Only because she was a pagan and she was a woman who got what she wanted. And we know that people hate that. Mm -hmm. Even Mm -hmm. back then. Especially back then. Especially back then. Yes, Kayla and I talk about how we would have been killed uh, under the guys that we were yeah yeah which didn't happen usually got hung but yes because we were we're very disagreeable because agreeable women rarely make history correct that was actually on my wedding bouquet when i walked down the aisle oh i love that yeah i had a little i had a little metal thing stuck in my bouquet that said well-behaved women rarely make history (laughs) oh that's so cute i know i know Brittany girl we're here for you She's been posting a lot of things on Instagram since yeah, Jamie she was removed, um, mm-hmm. and she seems happier. Yeah, I would be. So she wants to get married to her long-term partner, Sam Asgari, I think his name is, Yep, who is insanely hot, by the way. Mm. <laughs> Good for her. He's younger, too. Good for her. <laughs> Do your thing, girl. I hope she's able to completely get out of this conservatorship because it's completely inappropriate. Yes. I don't think it was ever appropriate. Even at the height of her mental health crisis, it was not appropriate. 
Or I could see something like, like you just said, a 72 hour hold or something like that. Sure. Just to monitor her and make sure yeah. she was okay. Yeah. Or and maybe a judge was. orders her to go to rehab if she was truly struggling. Fine. Fine. But well, that doesn't take away her control. Right. Or goes into, you know, a psychiatric facility for X number of time. Mm-hmm. All very appropriate things. And probably much more effective than what actually happened to her. And I think what bothers me the most, too, is that, like, how many people who don't have or aren't in the public eye and don't have the public support are experiencing this that we don't know about? Sure. Yeah. So it's brought to light a, a, a nationwide issue, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we haven't really looked into this as much as we should. Right. Or, you know, there's countless people that are wards of the state that are forgot about and mm-hmm. don't get the care that they need and deserve and are entitled to as, you know, living, breathing human beings um, because there's no money at stake. You know, who's going to know if we don't do this for this mm-hmm. person? And it's it's sick. Or you have the elder financial abuse happening by a third-party sure. conservator who's just taking the mm-hmm. person's money. Yep, that happens too. Or family. I don't know why I said third party. It could be anybody. It can be a third party and it could be indeed family too. It's it's completely fucked up. Well, do you have a random question? Because I don't. What household chore do you think is the worst? Oh, gosh. Dusting. Dusting. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I hate dusting. I don't do it because I hate it. You have to wear a mask. It makes me sneeze. I don't know about you. I truly don't do it. So it does not make me sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) I dusted my um, ceiling fan before you came over last week. It had accumulated a lot of dust. It was gross. Yeah. You got to get the one of the ones with the arm thing. That's what I did. Yep. What about you? It's probably my least favorite chore is doing the dishes, I think. I don't like that either. You have a dishwasher and so do I. Yeah, but either not everything fits or not everything can go in there or you need something immediately. I don't don't need anything immediately ever. I hate soggy food. That's the issue. Yeah. I also kind of hate taking out the garbage because I have to walk so far to my garbage. Yeah, you do. So if it's cold or if it's raining, that sucks. That does suck. I would rather take out the garbage than do the dishes. (laughs) I would too. I would too. Give me one more. That was fun. Do you have a movie you've watched so many times you know the words? Which one? Oh my gosh, so many of them. Uh, It's a Wonderful Life, Mrs. Doubtfire, West Side Story, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, No, I already said that one. Life is Beautiful. (laughs) I meant meant, uh, Life is Beautiful. I like movies that have the word life in the title. Um, Oh my gosh, so many. Uh, One time my cousin and I were doing a relay for life, you know, where you stay up all night and walk around in circles. And we decided we were just going to, we're like, let's just do the entire Mrs. Doubtfire movie back and forth. And we did. We just said it back and forth to each other and, <laughs> and did the whole movie. Hello! Hello! Um, do you have a movie where you can do that? Uh, I have a lot of them, actually. Growing up, I think my sister and I would quote movies back and forth to each other. But it was mm-hmm. usually like comedies. So yep. the first one that comes to mind is, oh, what the fuck is it called? Well, <laughs> We had Elf. Oh, Tommy Boy is the one that I was thinking oh, of. Tommy Boy, that is a good movie. That is a fantastic <laughs> movie. Um, I could also recite Grease. I could recite Grease, no problem. Yeah. I have a really good memory for movie lines, I gotta say. Um, I think it's part of being probably an undiagnosed dyslexic person. When we had to do silent reading in elementary school, I have terrible reading comprehension and I can't read for long periods of time. I still cannot. I have audible. And I would stare at a I would stare at the book page and I would play a movie in my head. 
Oh, I like them. Including the previews. <laughs> a real movie or you made one up? No, I'd play an actual movie in my head that I just memorized. Oh, okay. Yeah. Movies are a lot easier when you have undi- uh, undiagnosed dyslexia. Yes, that's very, very true. We I have a very, very good memory and terrible reading comprehension. You too could be a nurse if you have undiagnosed dyslexia. <laughs> you too can be a therapist with undiagnosed ADHD, apparently. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Um, so we leave you with today. We all have our shortcomings. Oh, wait, we have to tell them where we are. Our our shortcoming is that we always forget to tell you where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook at Biopsychosocial, a podcast. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at BiopsychPod. And you could also find us in our houses because it's going to get dark really soon. Uh, I'm I'm not leaving my house anymore. I actually didn't leave at all this weekend and I'm fine with that. Did I? No, I, I really didn't. I went to church and I went to the package store. And oh, the, you left then. I did. I did not. Saturday, I did not leave my house. Yeah, Saturday, I did not leave my house. I did a bunch of stuff at my house, but I did not leave. So be kind to yourself. Be kind to one another, especially now that it's going to get dark. Get a heat lamp. Get a sun lamp if you need that. Go see your therapist. Fill out your advanced directives. What else better do you have to do? Let us know what snacks you're taking with you into hibernation. We need recommendations. Yes. Even though we're very, very good at snacks. Yes. All right. We love you. For you. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Kayla popping in here at the end just to give you some good news. So as of today, November 12th, Brittany's conservatorship is done. It is over, folks. And we have been celebrating. We're so excited for her, as I'm sure you are as well. We're sending her our well wishes and cannot wait to see what she does next, whether that's a very well-deserved year-long vacation or new music. So congrats, Brittany. Missing out. Missing out on what? On life.